Have you heard the story about this gold heist at Pearson? Boy, it's all over the news today, right? Peel police there have confirmed they've got an investigation going on. They say a shipping container containing roughly $20 million in gold and what they call other high-value items vanished from Pearson International Airport in Toronto. And RCMP are calling it a gold heist. So this happened a few days ago. They said the plane landed on the evening of April the 17th. And so then the cargo from the plane was transported to a holding facility. And at that point, they think it was removed by, quote, illegal means from that facility. And then the cargo was reported missing. So many questions about this, right? What what was going on here? What happened to it? So there's clearly more to come on that. But here's the thing. This is not the first gold heist in our country. Oh, no, it is not. Shirley Smith Matheson joins us now, the award-winning author of Lost, Unsolved Mysteries of Canadian Aviation. And boy, she's got some stories in there for sure. Shirley, thanks for being with us. Very welcome. Did you think when you heard about this story that I might have to write about this one? <laughs> I already had uh-huh. but, uh, with Ken Lishman, but uh, no, this one is uh, not solved, far from being solved. Well, let's talk about the one that you just mentioned there, the Flying Bandit, which you wrote about. So what was this heist all about? Well, my story is called Flight Plans for Freedom, but Ken Leishman was a very charismatic man. He was a pilot. He was uh, a bank robber. He was a family man. He had seven children. He had two sides to him, uh, very much so. He was, you know, belonged to the Chamber of Commerce. He'd be president. He did all this, but he also had the other side, and he needed money. He His future was in jeopardy. He had children to support. And so he thought one more uh, caper. And so became he went for gold. Wow. That seemed to be what people always go for, right? Go for the gold. <laughs> go for the gold. So what year was this? March 6, 1966. Wow. Okay. So what did he do? Well, uh, I'll just tell you briefly, the Winnipeg International Airport uh, regularly received gold shipments from the mines at Red Lake, Ontario. And these shipments would arrive via Transair's Douglas DC-3. The cargo was signed off, transferred to an Air Canada uh, freight truck, loaded onto a connecting flight for its destination of the Royal Mint in Ottawa. So Ken observed the, the system and Uh, saw 12 wooden boxes at 50 pounds per box, equaling 600 pounds of gold being unloaded, and staged a plan. But like most plans like this, it requires other people to be involved, and that was the downfall. Oh, why? What happened? Well, (laughs) he chose as his confidant uh, a criminal lawyer named Harry Backlund. Harry claimed to know overseas buyers who regularly dealt in such matters, so Ken offered him 50% of the profit if he agreed to finance the operation and arrange the sale. So clean operators would also be required to undertake the transfers. So here we go again, opening up for more people. Um, A perpetually broke salesman named John Barry uh, was offered $10,000 for 10 minutes' work. 
John agreed, recommended another partner, a high-flying salesman named Rick Granko. Uh, it sounds to me like we're getting to be Ocean's Eleven here. There's a lot of yes, people involved. Yes, it, it's just a spreading here. Um, and then Rick told about his brother Paul, who sold vacuum cleaners on Ontario, and he could hang around the Red Lake as an on-site spy. So, uh, for practice, one night, they took an Air Canada freight vehicle, uh, a white GMC panel, for a spin. When it was found in the hangar at Winnipeg Airport with the keys in the ignition, and no one questioned them. Next, they bought white coveralls and navy blue parkas from Army and Navy surplus stores, hand-stenciled with Air Canada logos to resemble the company's ground crew uniforms. And then for hardware, Ken produced a 32 caliber Beretta. So when they spotted the boxes on the loading dock, uh, this Paul Granco called in to report that 12 wooden boxes were scheduled for the flight from Red Lake to Winnipeg. So that very day, Tuesday, March 6, 1966, Ken drove to the Winnipeg airport, met his partners John and Rick, who'd arrived in their Ford Galaxy ragtop, gave them instructions, and then he, Ken, drove off to an empty warehouse office near the airport to wait while the boys did the job. So, John and Rick drove the Air Canada truck to meet Flight 108, watched the cargo hatch open, conveyor belt start up, boxes come sliding down, then Rick handed the attendant a way bill, said, this shipment has to be transferred right away, it's got to go on a late, late flight leaving in 30 minutes. He and John helped to hoist the heavy boxes off the conveyor belt onto the dolly. Like that's all it took? The, he just had to tell the guy, oh, hey, I need these boxes? Nope, because he had the forms. Then forms were filled out over the forged signature of an Air Canada official. The attendant added his. Rick scribbled Fred Davis as the receiver, which was a false name. Actually, a name of a man who was well-known on CBC uh, television on uh, uh, a television show. Then they secured the doors of the truck, and by 10.20 p.m., they were off with their load of gold. Wow, how much money was this gold worth? Well, at that time, uh, it was only $35 an ounce, but um, uh, now it's $2,700 an ounce, I believe. But it was 1966. Yes, and so it was worth, at that time, uh, (laughs) $382,436. So... um, the story becomes more bizarre. Um, do you want to hear the rest? Well, I'm just so fascinated by it. So you're talking a couple million dollars, and it just sounds like it wasn't that hard for them to do it, Shirley. Well, it took some planning, and Ken was good at planning. He was a very smart man, uh, and they figured out that, uh, well, they got away with so much, but what happened was instead of following, well, after they got the gold in the back of the, the, the Air Canada van, right. uh, instead of following the usual r- routine, they drove to the parking lot, transferred the gold into their convertible, the Ford Galaxy, the tail-dragging convertible, oh, 800 pounds of gold, <laughs> yeah. weighing down the, the station wagon, and then they drove to Harry Backlund's house to temporarily stash the load. How did they get they, caught? Well, <laughs> that took a long time. Um, anyway, they stashed it in Harry's mother's deep freeze. And um, by that night, the RCM or the St. James police were pretty aware that this uh, had happened, 12 bars of gold. So 
Harry had the plan to have overseas buyers from Hong Kong that would buy it. Because one thing to steal gold, but how do you get rid of it? Well, exactly. How do you get your money? So um, Ken um, had to go to Vancouver with, and so he secured the money belt about his waist, six pounds of the gold that he'd sawed into three pieces from one brick to show the potential buyers. Now, this was mistake number six or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, he's at the Vancouver airport, and uh, he uh, decided to abort his trip and uh, cancel his reservation, buy a tick back to Winnipeg. But when he arrived at the check-in counter, he was told the RCMP wished to, rid- to visit him. So, how do you get rid of the gold in- on his belt? Well, he walked out of the terminal building, came back inside with an empty money belt. Where did he put it? He stashed it. He secured it in an irrigation ditch at the south side of Vancouver International Airport. This is cr- this story is crazy. I can see why you wrote a whole book about this, Shirley. Now we're just we're just about I'm out of time here, Shirley. But I just got to know they caught him, right? Yes, they did eventually. Eventually, yes. Oh. He, 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 and he got a few years, uh, quite a few years, only one year for the theft of the gold, but he had other things. He escaped from inescapable jails. He memorized the lock systems on these jails. Um, I was given his personal journals written about how he analyzed the lock systems and the guard systems and this and that. What a guy. So the story goes on and on. The gold heist was only one part of Ken Lishman's amazing career no uh, kidding okay Shirley I'm gonna have to track down your book and read this whole thing in person please do I it's will lost unsolved mysteries of Canadian aviation published by Frontenac House Limited I am looking for it right now Shirley thank you for your time thank you